You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 975 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hello. Tracy, we're going to do these last two episodes of the week uh, by splitting a countdown. Because you okay. know I love the countdowns. You do. Of course, this one's from Ranker. But I saw this one, I thought it was interesting, so I thought since... Since everybody that gets this one will also get the next one, mm-hmm. that there's, you know, might as well just split it. I like to usually split the other ones in the beginning, so. Oh, I get you. First part of the week, that way some yeah. people get it, some people don't, but. I feel you. All right, so this one is, believe it or not, the most utterly depressing horror movies of all time. Wow. That whole title was depressing. <laughs> Horror films are meant to entertain us while also providing plenty of jump scares and scenes to make our pulses race. What happens, though, when a horror movie is too dark? And can a film in the horror genre be too dark? Well, I would say so. Let's take, for example, the film Hereditary. It has a brilliant cast, engaging plot, and plenty of gore. But at what cost? The viewer might feel more than scared after finishing a film where an entire family falls apart with seemingly no end to the madness. From post-apocalyptic worlds to deranged hostage situations, there are more than a few horror films out there that cross the line from terrifying to depressing. Here are 16 of the most depressing movies in horror history. Alright, you ready to get started on these? Alright, let's hear it. Number one, and I don't think these are in order of like there's yeah they're, they're all listed. Worst. I don't think it's necessarily the ones. That, I think it's just a list of them. The Mist, the 2007 film adaptation of Stephen King's The Mist, presents a dystopian world where monsters and giant insects attack a small town in Maine, as it is slowly enveloped by a strange mist. The characters find out what a government experiment gone wrong allowed these interdimensional beings to escape and there seems to be no end in sight when the main characters believe all is lost protagonist david drayton mercy kills his own son and three other survivors with four remaining bullets in his gun ready to face the mist david sees that it's suddenly receding the government has contained the mist meaning that david took the lives of his son and friends for nothing Mm. david's chilling screams Marked the end of his hope of this hopelessly depressing film. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty terrible. So it was the movie. Well, yeah. It was not that I mean, good. what do you think you're going to do with the mist? You can't do. I mean, you can't shoot at it. <laughs> if you do, you're probably, you know, yeah, missed. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, the Poughkeepsie tapes. The Poughkeepsie tapes is perhaps the most graphic and disturbing documentary-style film of all time. Have you seen this? No. I have not either. Police attempt to track down serial killer Edward Carver, who has recorded 800 videos of himself torturing and murdering victims. 800? Damn. Carver's crimes include the assault and murder of a little girl, as well as a truly sickening C-section that he performs on a pregnant victim. Even the one victim who does survive Carver's wrath eventually takes her own life after being subjected to his physical and mental torment. Oh my gosh. At the end of the film, there's no justice or redemption, and the post credit scene reveals that Carver won't be stopping his murder spree anytime soon. 
My question is, I mean, I get that you want to make a film, but why would you want to go that deep? I mean, why would you want to go like that? Why would Shock you... value. Some people, some people probably are thinking, oh man, if I make this movie, everybody, if not, even if it's not a great movie, people will go see it just because. Yeah, but that's a sick mind that would do that, I think. Well, I don't doubt that at all. All right, number three, Hereditary. In I Hereditary, just did that one. no, I talked about oh. at the beginning. In Hereditary, Annie Graham's life quickly falls apart following her mother's death. First, Annie's children, Peter and Charlie, are in a freak car accident where Charlie is decapitated, mm. leaving Annie to blame Peter for the girl's death. What kind of was his fault? Well, she stuck her head out the car window, so mm. mailboxes don't do you justice when you stick your head out car windows at speed. Anyways, spoiler alert for anybody who hadn't seen it. However, the family keeps hearing the distinctive clicking noise Charlie made with her mouth, and the family subsequently begins showing signs of possession. Peter breaks his own nose at school after hearing the clicking noise, and Annie's husband bursts into flames during a fight with his wife. I mean, we've all went through that. <laughs> after becoming possessed by the demon, Annie decapitates herself, and the demon enters Peter. That's better than Peter entering a demon. Oh, stop. It's only when the entire family is dead that there's any sense of peace. Now, I will go on record as saying, like, Kristen, for example, loves this movie. She just... Uh, now the, the I didn't raise her that way. The bird and a decapit... There's a part with a bird and there's a decapitated, you know, head part is very disturbing. And I will give it that. It's very disturbing. The movie I thought was overrated, though. I didn't like the ending. I didn't well. watch it just because of the bits and pieces I heard about it. I was not interested <laughs> now I went and saw that one without you. Mm -hmm. I went and took Alex to see that one. Yeah, that's just all. Yeah. Next movie, another one I haven't heard of, The Road. Post-apocalyptic films seem to have really cornered the market on depressing horror. The main characters of The Road, known simply as man, woman, and boy, are among the few survivors of an unnamed tragedy that seemed to have wiped out most of the world. The woman begins to lose hope that Things will ever improve, and she walks into the forest naked, where it's assumed she freezes to death. The man and the boy have a number of misadventures, including coming upon a group of cannibals who hold other humans captive as their food source. The man eventually dies, leaving the young boy completely on his own. There's a small glimmer of hope as the boy is rescued by another wandering family, but it's a far cry from what one would consider a happy ending. I don't see how any of those movies have a happy ending. Well, they don't. Funny Games. Some hostage movies end with a silver lining and the protagonist prevailing. Funny Games is not one of those movies. Anne and George Farber, along with their son Georgie, are held hostage by Peter and Paul. Mary went out for lunch. <laughs> Two sadistic criminals who bet the Farbers that they won't be alive at 9 p.m. the following morning. The film devolves into a cycle of the Farbers almost escaping, only to be captured and punished for not following the game's rules. The film becomes particularly dark as young Georgie is murdered and George is killed soon after. Just when it seems like Anne might escape, Peter and Paul drown her just before 9 a.m. Then they go on to the next house where the viewer can assume they will continue their sickening games. Nice. Irreversible. 
Consisting of 14 scenes shown in reverse chronological order, Irreversible is distressing because of its intense violence juxtaposed with what would have been a happy story. The viewer is witnessed to be a multitude of violent scenes, including the murder of Mick with a fire extinguisher and Mick's attempted assault of Marcus. This is also Latinia's graphic assault of Alex, which goes on for several agonizing uncut minutes. In the end, the viewer learns that Alex and Marcus were a happy couple excited for Alex's pregnancy, but a series of unexpected events turned their world upside down. The flipped timeline definitely makes the story more depressing because the viewer knows what horrible things will happen to the unsuspecting characters. I don't like movies or TV shows that did the reverse thing. Mm-hmm. I don't either. Jacob's Ladder. This is one I've seen. Although many consider Jacob's Ladder a brilliant film, it's also painfully tragic. Vietnam veteran Jacob Singer attempts to put his life together after the death of his son and a traumatic experience during the Vietnam War. Throughout the film, Jacob experiences vivid hallucinations of figures with blurred faces and an array of psychological distress. Multiple people tell Jacob that he's dead, that he never existed, and he didn't experience the violent battle that seems to be at the root of his problems. In the end, Jacob is reunited with his beloved son Gabe, but the viewer is left with the stark realization that Jacob has been dead for the entire duration of the film. Mm. Creepy. One more, and we'll say the rest for tomorrow. The 2016 movie Train to Basan tells the gruesome story of a zombie apocalypse caused by a chemical lab leak. As businessman Seo Siokwu, it's a Japanese movie, I think, um, attempts to take his daughter, Suan, to Busan for her birthday, he quickly realizes that their train is under attack by zombies. Seok Wu and his daughter team up with other passengers to escape the zombies, but one by one, members of the group are killed by the insatiable beings. Just when it seems that they're in the clear, Si Wu himself is bitten by a zombie and must sacrifice his life to save his daughter. The movie ends with little Suan singing the saddest version of Aloha Oi ever heard. Aww. Or for me, the only version ever heard. No. I don't think I've heard that song. That's sad. So, okay, guys, we'll be back tomorrow. All right. See you guys later. Hey, guys, welcome to episode 976 of Hillbilly Shorts. Hello, everybody. We are going to continue on with our depressing films because right. nothing's more exciting than depressing films. <laughs> Tracy, the Orphanage is number nine on the list. Stories about orphans tend to be tragic, but tragedy turns into horror in the 2007 film The Orphanage. Protagonist Laura purchases the orphanage that she grew up in so she could turn it into a home for disabled children, but there's something distinctly off about the building. Strange things begin happening to her young son, Simon. He says he's made friends with a boy named Thomas, who wears a sack mask over his head. Uh-oh. It's like a potato sack type thing. The situation devolves further into a former employee named Benigna who refuses to leave the family alone and is later suspected of abducting Simon. Laura eventually discovers that Thomas was 
Benigna's son, who died after one of the children in the orphanage, removed his sack mask to reveal a facial deformity. Benigna then poisoned the children and hid their bodies on the property. As if this news isn't horrible enough for Laura, she finds Simon's body in a secret room and realizes that she has inadvertent she's inadvertently responsible for his death. Hmm, that's a lot to have on your shoulders. It does. Next one is called the loved ones. Bad prom experiences seem to show up a lot in horror movies, and the loved ones takes the trope to a sadistic new level. After Brent turns down Lola's invitation to their high school prom. She kidnaps him and forces him to attend prom at her house. While it's never really sounds like a silly plot, or while I'm sorry, while it might sound like a silly plot, things take a shocking turn when Lola injects Brent's voice box with bleach, carves her name in his chest, and attempts to perform a lobotomy on him. On top of that, her past victims are all still alive in the basement. Though they never make it out, the film is saturated in violence and gore, and while Brent does escape with his life, no one is left feeling good about what they just witnessed. Yikes, man. <laughs> I hope you ain't got spoiling a bunch of movies for people. I don't think they want to see them. Number 11, if this one spoils it for anybody, then they, they don't need to be watching it. Carrie. Mm-hmm. No list about depressing horror films would be complete without the original Carrie from 1976. Carrie White just wants to be a normal teenager, but she can't seem to catch a break whether it's being bullied at school or being disciplined by her fundamentalist mother. Things finally seem to turn it around for Carrie when she's named prom queen, but a fallen bucket of pig's blood takes an evening in a deadly direction. Carrie uses her powers, telekinetic powers to burn down the entire school and kill almost uh, all of her teachers and peers. She even kills her mother and is only stopped as her home is dragged down to hell. The film's final scene destroys any illusion that even the prom's lone survivor, Sue Snell, will ever be free from the terror of that night. Mm -hmm. That's John Travolta's first movie, I believe. Yeah, that was a terrible movie. Oculus. I've seen this one. Oculus reinforces the old saying that history repeats itself as the film tells the parallel stories of a family torn apart. After writing, Alan Russell's purchases an antique mirror. A series of escalating events slowly drive him and his wife, Marie, insane. The haunted mirror holds the family's results of, uh, in the deaths of both Alan and Marie, leaving the 10-year-old son, Tim, in a mental hospital and a 12-year-old daughter, Kaylee, left to research the history of the mirror. The siblings eventually reunite as adults, to order to, uh, in order to document the mirror's power only to relive the trauma of their childhood. In the end, Tim is again accused of the crime he didn't commit. But, the time, but at this time, no one's working to prove his innocence because Kaylee is dead too. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> Threads. Threads starts out with a British couple, Ruth Beckett and Jimmy Kemp, planning their wedding when the apocalypse suddenly occurs, as worldwide tensions escalate, a massive explosion off the coast of the United Kingdom immediately wipes out 12 to 30 million people. That's a long uh, mm -hmm. in gap between there, us, yeah. 12 to 30. The town of Sheffield, where Ruth and Jimmy lived, doesn't see sunlight for a year due to fallout from the blast. Ruth eventually escapes to the countryside and gives birth to a daughter named Jane, but she dies when the girl's only 10. 
Life in the UK is almost medieval, with food used as the primary currency. The film ends with a 13-year-old Jane screaming in terror as she gives birth to a deformed, stillborn baby. Oh, God. The Fly, number 14. In the 1986 remake of The Fly, scientist Seth Brundle creates a phenomenal telepod device that teleports objects from one pod to another. While there are a number of glitches, including when the teleportation device turns a baboon inside out, Seth ultimately prevails. Seth is so excited to test the device himself that he doesn't notice when a common housefly enters the pod with him. Afterwards, Seth begins to have more energy, increased strength, primal urges, and a loss of humanity. A wound with spiky hairs begins growing out of his back, and his fingernails start to fall off. Seth realizes that this was a mistake, and he frantically attempts to reverse it, but his spiraling mental state causes him to put uh, the life of his lover, Ronnie, and their unborn child in danger. Seth eventually begs Ronnie to end his life as he turns into a full insect, and he realizes that his invention destroyed all hopes of a happy, normal life. That was a very depressing movie. That's, a, that's actually the best movie on this list so mm-hmm. far for me. Martyrs. If there's such a thing as a feel-bad movie, Martyrs is definitely it. The film opens with a young girl named Lucy escaping captivity and spending the rest of her childhood in an orphanage. As an adult, she murders four people in cold blood, believing they are responsible for her childhood torture. After being recaptured, Lucy's friend Anna learns that Lucy's torture is meant to make her a martyr who can potentially see what happens in the afterlife just before she dies. In the film's climax, Lucy is quite literally crucified and gets the glazed look in her eyes that signifies martyrdom. Lucy and Anna die in each other's arms just as the police arrive to rescue them. And the very last one, Let the Right One In. Let the Right One In is a surreal modern take on vampires set in 1980s Stockholm, Sweden. 12-year-old Oscar is bullied at school and plots revenge on his peers every night until he eventually becomes friends with the neighbor kid, Eli. As it turns out, Eli is a vampire, and much of the film centers around a series of grisly murders committed in order to fulfill Eli's need for blood. Oscar and Eli subsequently team up to defeat the bullies who torment Oscar, killing all but one of them. Although Oscar, Oscar and Eli seem to be content with one another, the cost of their relationship leaves the viewer with a knot in their stomach. So there you go. How about that for some messed up movies? That is crazy. All right, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, guys. If you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode, and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.